0: Jews have been forbidden from praying at the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, a holy site for both Jews and Muslims. What are the implications? And with the Iowa caucus tonight, who will come out on top and whose run for the White House may be over? We'll hear from political expert Judge Paul Pressler. This is Jerry Johnson live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian Worldview for Christ and Culture.
1: Mr. Gorbachev,
2: tear down this wall. It's one
3: small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941,
1: a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these
3: buildings down will hear all of us soon.
2: We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail.
0: Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson.
2: You will have more to do with selecting the next president of the United States than just about anybody else on the planet.
4: All right, that's Senator Barack Obama. He's running for president of the United States. He's speaking to the caucus goers in Iowa, and he says, look, you'll have more to do with selecting the next president of the United States than anybody else on the planet. Is that true? We're going to talk about the Iowa caucuses tonight. Uh, Cauci, maybe, you could say. And um, who's in? Who's up? Who's down? who's, Who's leading? What are we to expect? And what does this mean for the presidency in 2008? Of course, Obama is running as a Democrat against Hillary Clinton and John Edwards and another Field, a group of also runs, but here we have Mitt Romney on the Republican side sizing it up.
0: I'm surprised i got to be honest with you because I thought it was going to be McCain or Giuliani or perhaps Fred Thompson at this point, but looks like Mike Huckabee at uh, Southern Baptist Preacher has got a good base here working hard, and uh, he's going to be the guy I'm going to be neck and neck with.
4: All right, a Southern Baptist preacher. Is that a backhanded kind of comment there? Mike Huckabee, also a a governor of over 10 years in Arkansas. And so, of course, um, Romney has been criticized for Mormonism, and he wants to remind people that Huckabee is a Southern Baptist preacher. Well, we're going to talk about all of this in just a moment uh, with Paul Pressler, expert on uh, political uh, matters uh, and Later in the program, we'll be talking about the fact that uh, Israel has banned praying on the Temple Mount by Jews. That sounds like something Muslims would want to ban, but um, the Jewish leadership there has banned this kind of praying. We'll also talk about John Hagee's claim that Jesus did not come to be the Messiah, and we're going to play that sound for you. and We're going to ask an expert on Jewish issues what he thinks about this. Jim Sibley of the Pesci Institute will be here, here with us to talk about it. And then finally, it's so cold, we're going to talk about global warming. A major scientist coming out today that says... Uh, the Earth has passed the peak of the warming period, and a cold spell will set in quite soon, certainly by 2012. And that this is only a cycle, this warming period. We're going to talk about that major study today. But first, let's go back to uh, Iowa, the caucuses tonight, with us to talk about. Who's up and who's down is Judge Paul Pressler. He's former first vice president of the Southern Baptist Convention, leader of the conservative resurgence in our denomination. But he's also a retired justice, the 14th Court of Appeals in Texas, former district judge and state legislature uh, legislator. I welcome, uh, Paul Pressler, to the program.
2: Dr. Johnson, it's a real pleasure to be with you again.
4: Uh, Judge Pressler, uh, tonight, let's talk about the Republicans. Uh, what are your predictions, particularly uh, in first, second, and third place? What do you see tonight?
2: Well, um, the Republican uh, caucuses have one very distinct differences difference from the Democratic caucuses. In the Republican caucuses, every vote counts. In the Democratic caucus in order to count a person has to get more than fifteen percent of the vote and we'll go to that a little bit later as to its effect so we're going to have an open race in the republican caucuses the latest reports that i get from talking to people on the ground in iowa is that huckabee has begun to fade a little bit and romney is definitely in first place uh... that of course will be very interesting to watch who comes in first and i think that Uh, after looking like it was going to Huckabee for a while, uh, Romney will now win. Mm. The big battle also will be over third place, and there'll be two or three participants. One is McCain, another is Thompson, and possibly a third is Ron Paul. Uh, Ron Paul uh, is very interesting. Uh, He has about 10 percent of the vote in the surveys, but the 70 percent of those people who are supporting them are ones who have been Democrats or independents. Mm. And it just depends on how many of them will come to the Republican caucuses. Um, uh, Paul could really break through and run in third place. And uh, Thompson and Giuliani, Thompson and McCain, both need to run in third place. In order to um increase their standing in the pro the um for the nomination, Giuliani will be behind all five of those. He'll be sixth place or worse, which is devastating for a person who's trying to run nationally um so i would- I would predict first Romney second Huckabee, and then third is a grouping between McCain and uh, Paul and Thompson.
4: Judge Pressler, uh, you have endorsed publicly Fred Thompson. I want us to listen to a soundbite from Fred Thompson.
5: I think Roe v. Wade was bad law and bad medical science. And the way to address that is through uh, good judges.
4: Of course, you are uh, a judge, and uh, I surely uh, would think that you appreciate uh, Fred Thompson's Emphasis on appointing the right kind of judges. Would you just talk about that for a moment?
2: I certainly do. I think one of the great things that has come out of the Bush administration is his judicial appointments. He has appointed far better than Ronald Reagan or his father or anybody else that's been around for a long time. He, it's been wonderful. And if we can get another person who'll make good appointments. Such as uh, George W. Bush has made, then we will the country will really move in the right direction.
4: If Thompson comes in third tonight, that really gives him an opportunity to build, particularly in the carolinas doesn 't it?
2: It certainly does, and uh, he will not run well in New Hampshire, right, but South Carolina could really be a breakthrough for him.
4: Judge Preston, you used to be a Democrat, and I think for most of your life, you were a Democrat or have been. I've been. Uh,
2: I spent 25 years in elective office, always elected as a Democrat.
4: Well, then I think you're qualified to handicap the Democrat side tonight. What do you see happening in Iowa for the Democrats?
2: I don't think anybody really knows. <laughs> um, the interesting thing here that we have to note is the 15 percent rule. If you have a caucus and you have candidate A getting 30%, candidate B getting 20%, candidate C, D, E, and F getting 10%, then the ones who voted for a candidate that got 10% have to go to another caucus and support another candidate because their candidate is eliminated. Now, I understand that in Iowa there's a great deal of anti-Hillary settlement, and there's... The she doesn't have many second second supporters that would after that vote for Obama and then Hillary or vote for uh, for Edwards and then Hillary Clinton. So um, it, it kind of depends on who gets eliminated very quickly. If someone like Richardson um, gets the fifteen percent, then people could flock to him. Right now it looks like only uh, Clinton and Edwards and Obama will break the 15%, and then the people who had supported other candidates will go to one of them and probably not to Hillary Clinton. So I think she starts off with uh, a disadvantage tonight because of that.
4: You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Judge Paul Pressler. He's a retired justice, the 14th Court of Appeals of Texas. We're talking about the Iowa caucuses, and it will make a difference. in who will be the next president of the United States, we'll know later on tonight. Judge Pressler, yesterday we spent most of the show talking about Mike Huckabee. And many evangelicals and conservatives and Christians are rallying to Mike Huckabee. But uh, he is pro-life, and he's pro-family, and we're very concerned about those issues. But we also talked about the fact that uh, he's been moderate to liberal in his track record on immigration, on pardons, on taxes, and on school and education. He's got the endorsement of the teachers' union. It's very unusual for a Republican to get that endorsement. Now, Judge Prester, I want you to listen to this Mitt Romney ad about Mike Huckabee, and I want you to respond to this. Two good men, both into fitness,
2: both love Chuck Norris. But where do they stand on crime? Chuck Norris. Give a presidential pardon to no one ever. Norris subdues criminals with just an icy stare. And Mike Huckabee? He granted 1,033 pardons and commutations, including 12 convicted murderers. Huckabee granted more clemencies than the previous three governors combined. Chuck Norris, Mike Huckabee. Now who deserves the roundhouse
4: game? Okay, Judge Pressler. uh, Huckabee brought Norris out to support him. And here's some political jujitsu, I think, from the Romney camp. Now to use Norris back against Huckabee. Uh, But making the point that Huckabee is weak on crime. Uh, You've been around conservative politics for a long time. When you look at Mike Huckabee, he is pro-life pro-family, but do you think uh, these weaknesses on economic and crime and education issues uh, really flaw him as a candidate for conservatives?
2: Well, let me say this before I directly answer your question. I've known Mike Huckabee for over 25 years. He's a nice person. He loves the Lord. His theology is straight, and uh, I could say many, many good things about him. On the other hand to be elected president of the United States you have to have something going with you going for you with your natural constituency other than the social issues mm-hmm. and he has offended the club for growth he has offended uh, the eagle forum he uh, has offended various other people who emphasize these other values and i think he has a very difficult time first of all because i don't see whether i don't see america being ready to elect a Baptist preacher as President of the United States with what the left-wing media can do to him. Uh, They've asked him questions about his belief on evolution, and he's just fine on evolution. Mm -hmm. But the left-wing media, uh, er, that's abhorrent to them, Mm -hmm. and they'll do everything they can to kill him. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't like negative ads, Mm -hmm. and uh, I would much prefer that the common enemy uh, of the Republicans be attacked rather than the uh, fellow
4: Republicans. The 11th commandment, Ronald Reagan said, thou shalt not speak ill of a fellow Republican.
2: Absolutely.
4: Well, Judge Paul Pressler, you are a friend. We thank you for coming on tonight, and uh, we thank God for your service to our country, to our convention, and we hope to have you back soon.
2: Well, it's a privilege and honor always to be with you. You know I'm one of your I admire you greatly, and uh, I'm grateful for what you do. Thanks, Best Judge Preston. everything, and Happy New Year. We'll All be right. watching tonight.
4: All right. Thanks. Now, folks, when we come back, I'm going to ask for you to call. In fact, you can begin calling right now. The number is 800-881-9270. In the next segment, we're going to talk about what really happens at a caucus. This isn't an election. It's not even a primary. It's called a caucus. Pentadexter has done a little report she's going to give to us about How this works. You might want to know about a caucus. And we're going to talk about uh, these candidates. We're going to play some sound from each candidate. We're going to play Huckabee's response to Romney's negative attacks. And uh, I'm going to ask you to call in about Huckabee and what we've said. What we said yesterday, the number is 800-881-9270. Is it enough that he's pro-life and pro-family? Or do you have concerns about his policy on education on Uh, economic issues and on crime. Let's talk about it. 800-881-9270. And also, Hagee claims that Jesus did not come as the Messiah. Wow.
0: That's chriswill.edu.
4: Is this the next president of the United States? It's Mike Huckabee, Governor Mike Huckabee, jamming on the bass guitar on the Tonight Show Band. Last night, Mike Huckabee, running for president of the United States. Do you remember Bill Clinton on that saxophone? We'll see if Huckabee rides that wave. Well, this is Jerry Johnson live from Criswell College, and we're talking about the Iowa caucuses. We're talking about the next president of the United States. You say, what does this have to do with the Christian worldview? The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 29, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, the people mourn. Proverbs 29, 2. We want righteous leaders so that our people might rejoice. We have wicked leaders. The people are going to mourn. And so we need to choose wisely. But I tell you, old Mike Huckabee, uh, he's really in the ring. And um, he's kind of duking it out with Mitt Romney. Here is Mike Huckabee uh, responding to that Mitt Romney ad we played earlier.
3: I'm Mike Huckabee, and I approve this message I because I have a right to know the truth about Mitt Romney's dishonest attacks on me. And even an American...
4: Okay, Huckabee says Romney's attacks are dishonest. That is, when Romney criticizes him for pardoning and commuting the sentences for over a 1,000 convicted felons, including 12 murderers. And so Romney's made an issue of that, and Huckabee's saying this is a dishonest attack. Does this make a difference to you? What do you think? And how should Christians uh, vote in the primary process? We've got uh, callers on the line. Peter from Dallas. Peter, thank you for calling. And holding. what's your view, Peter?
6: Hi, Jerry. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I tuned in a little bit late, so I wasn't sure if this was exclusively to discuss Huckabee. Hey,
4: Peter, Peter, can you turn your radio down while you're talking? Turn your radio down. Yeah, yeah.
6: Sorry about that. I had it as low as I could go. I just wanted to make it off. I Yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I tuned in a little late, so I wasn't sure if this was exclusively about Huckabee, but given some of the concerns that were mentioned, I, I wondered if it was suitable to point out other candidates who yes, I, I think are, are very well in line with the Christian worldview, and at the same time perhaps um, have a better platform in terms of physical conservation. Yeah,
4: who do you support, Peter?
6: Well, um, uh, the judge you were speaking to earlier, Mr. Ron Paul. Um, And I do do confess I haven't completely made up my mind, but the more I hear about Paul, the more I think, wow, this guy really is in line with what we believe and uh, what we want from government Mm. uh, in terms of limited executive power, of uh, the rule of law.
4: Yeah, Peter, and I think we may have lost you, Peter, but let me just say this about Ron Paul. He's a libertarian Republican, and I think at a basic level, there's much to be commended in Ron Paul. He wants limited government, uh, only what the Constitution allows, and he's not for the government being in every area of our lives. The problem with this is, I think for many conservatives, is that he takes this to an extreme Ron Paul would legalize marijuana. Ron Paul would legalize prostitution. Ron Paul uh, is, in his, this libertarian streak, going a place where many Christians cannot go when it comes to legalizing drug use. And so that's the problem, I think, with Ron Paul getting mainstream support.
6: ...supporters so far, including some who I, I know feel very strongly about those issues.
4: Yeah. Well, uh, I think, uh, certainly... It's been good to have his voice uh, there in the debates because he does speak for limited government and cutting spending, and that's got to be a good thing for the party and for the country to, to hear someone talk like that and to know that millions of people are rallying around him. But I do not think he has a chance at being president because of these really extreme views on drug use, prostitution, gambling, and things like this.
6: Is this officially part of his platform is
4: well uh, I know th- I, I know the decriminalization decriminalization of drug use is, and i know I know the marijuana issue is, and I just most Americans are not going to go for that uh, at all and I think his position on the Iraq war is mistaken and misguided um, it 's very easy to uh, critique the Iraq war now, and it was in vogue uh, a year ago and even six months ago. But I think when Mike Huckabee stood him down in that debate and said, we've got to see it through, we've got to keep our soldiers there until we get order and stability, and Ron Paul said, let's pull them out now, let's bring the soldiers home now. And I think people saw there that Ron Paul um, was not wise when it came to national security.
6: Well, And, and again, I don't agree with everything he says, yeah. certainly, but I think, I think more of his point is that executive power has been overstepped, where, you know, a congressional declaration of war would be more prudent, where in a lot of places we don't need to be. Uh, the government is doing yeah. a lot of things that it shouldn't.
4: Well, I agree with that, generally speaking. And I'm for declaration of war instead of, uh, you know, police actions and undeclared wars. But the fact is the Congress did authorize the president to go over there. And uh, short of a declaration of war, they did, and he took that uh, as the authorization. But, in fact, it'd be better to have a declaration of war. Peter, we're going to move on to the next caller. Thank you for calling in. we got Doug on the line from Fort Worth. Doug, thank you for calling. Uh, what's your thought on Huckabee or the other candidates?
7: Uh, well, first of all, with Ron Paul, I think one thing you have to recognize is he's got a very dangerous pre-World War II isolationist point yeah. of view that is something we certainly should consider. Um, with Huckabee, the assault that he's been getting from Romney and and from many other uh, conservative detractors, uh, particularly about his views on immigration, his uh, the use of his pardons, uh, I, I think, frankly, we have to recognize that uh, sometimes as conservatives we can lose some of the uh, compassion that. I, that frankly is required of us. There is a balance there, and I think the the term of compassionate conservative has a lot of value and is a lofty vision for us to reach for, um, particularly when you look at uh, what came up in the YouTube debate a few weeks ago, helping uh, immigrants uh, move on to, to college. Uh, that's something that actually helps to better society. Um, and so I think that's one thing we have to keep in mind that uh, sometimes what's best for our pocketbooks may not be what's best for society as a whole.
4: Hey, thanks so much for that comment, Doug, and I I appreciate the sentiment. But here is the reality, in my view. Uh, Ronald Reagan was a great president. He was a conservative, and I think he was a compassionate man. But I remember President Bush, following President Reagan, says, I want a kinder, gentler approach, a kinder, gentler approach. And here's what I have to say, and I think Judge Prester alluded to it earlier. It's so hard to keep things right and conservative and balanced and good. Uh, naturally, things atrophy and go bad. I mean, that's, that's the doctrine of sin, really, is that everything um, left alone goes left and goes bad and goes evil. And unless you hold the line, things are going to atrophy into a bad situation. And that's why we've got to be staunch in our conservatism, in my view. We can't be saying we want a kinder, gentler approach. I remember this President Bush said he wanted to be a compassionate conservative. And uh, what you get with that, though, is uh, the largest increase in the size of government um, that we've ever seen. And so President Bush has done many good things but he's also spent a whole lot of money on new programs and new new approaches. And I think that's a mistake. And so I think giving... College tuition to illegal immigrants. Illegal immigrants. You mentioned immigrants. Illegal immigrants. Is a mistake, and I think it could be Huckabee's undoing because I think immigration is the hot issue that will drive this election by the fall of two thousand eight. We've got Tommy on the line from Desoto. Yeah, Tommy, uh, thank you. What's uh, your view, Tommy?
5: I appreciate you uh, get me in. Uh, I'm. Uh, I had called in once before and uh, voiced my opinion. Uh, Who you support? Uh, On uh, Huckabee, and I, you know, as a minute, I'm in the myself, and uh, I think a while back you said we had to be compassionate toward others. And, uh, you know, I have questions myself about immigration, but um, we had to be compassionate toward those uh, folks that don't know Jesus. And uh, I think... I believe wholeheartedly that Huckabee will uh, will be all right. I agree with the caller before me. Uh, we have to be compassionate. Uh, to
4: Would you her, support? Uh, Let me ask you this question. Do you think the government should be using taxpayer money to pay for illegal, illegal immigrants to go to college?
5: i repeat that again. I'm on the cell phone. Yeah. So.
4: Do you think the government should use taxpayer money? to pay for illegal immigrants to go to college
5: well that's where I said I'm I'm, I'm not sure uh, uh,
4: my well Tommy that, I we appreciate to be... uh, we got to move on here but I what I want to say is I think most Americans that's a slam dunk question and I think ninety percent of Americans do not believe the government should be funding college education for illegal immigrants. They just don't believe in that. And uh, they barely want to fund college education for legal people. And uh, I know that because I'm a college president, (laughs) and so people have to pay for their own college. And can we be paying for illegal immigrants to go to college? Now, let me just say here as we close out this segment, I think Mike Huckabee is a good man, a great man. He's a Christian man. He's a sincere man. I believe he's pro-life. And for that reason, if he is the nominee, he will probably be head and shoulders above all the pro-abortion Democrats. He's pro-family. For that reason, he will probably be head and shoulders above any Democrat that could be nominated because he stands for life and he stands for marriage. But, in fact... He's weak on immigration, weak on crime, weak on taxes, and weak on education. And that's going to hurt him, I think, in getting the nomination. That's all I'm saying about this is we're weighing it out. There's no joy in talking about this. But this show is about delivering the goods and the truth and to let the chips fall where they may. And um, you make your own decision. And uh, when we come back, John Hagee, very popular. But John Hagee says, Jesus did not present himself as the Messiah to the Jews. What do you think of that? We'll talk about it with an expert in um, Jewish-Christian relations when we come right back. Also, an update on global warming. It sure feels cold out there.
0: You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live! Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications.
4: All right, we're back. And later on in the program, we'll be talking about global warming. It is so cold out there. Also, we'll go back to the Iowa caucuses. And right now, uh, I'm very concerned about something I just heard a week or two ago. John Hagee, very influential televangelist, uh, making some controversial claims in his new book. I want you to listen for this now. He says that the Jews did not reject Jesus as Messiah and that Jesus did not present himself to be the Messiah. Let's listen carefully to Evangelist John Hagee.
0: I'm delighted to present my latest book, In Defense of Israel. This book will expose the sins of the fathers and the vicious abuse of the Jewish people. In Defense of Israel will shake Christian theology. It scripturally proves that the Jewish people as a whole did not reject Jesus as Messiah. It will also prove that Jesus did not come to earth to be the Messiah. It will prove that there was a Calvary conspiracy between Rome, the high priest, and Herod to execute Jesus as an insurrectionist too dangerous to live. Since Jesus refused by word and deed to claim to be the Messiah...
4: All right, that's John Hagee, and he's a very popular televangelist out of Texas here. And he claimed that as a whole, the Jewish people did not reject Jesus as Messiah. He claimed that Jesus did not come to earth as Messiah. And uh, we need to know if this is biblical, if it's true. And I've asked Jim Sibley right here at Criswell College. He's the director of the Pesci Institute for Jewish Studies at Criswell College. Incidentally, we've got BA programs, BA and MA programs in Jewish studies right here at Criswell College. And Professor Sibley directs that program former missionary to Israel, expert in all things Jewish. Uh, uh, Dr. Sibley, thank you for being with us. Uh, What's your reaction, Jim Sibley, to John Hagee's claim?
3: Well, John Hagee has been off base on some of these issues for a long time. I uh, have reviewed his book, Final Dawn Over Jerusalem, which was an earlier uh, version. And in connection with that review, I called and spoke with him personally about some of his claims. And uh, he, cl- he denies that he believes that uh, Jews are saved apart from Jesus, and yet time after time he seems to move in that direction. And with his final book, and some, with his latest book, and some of his outlandish claims there, it, co- it should cause any genuine believer grave concern.
4: Well, I mean, Paul says in Romans 9, 10, and 11, essentially, that the Jewish people as a whole... Uh, did turn away from Jesus. I don't see how he can say that they didn't.
3: Well, he developed, apparently, I have not read his latest book, but in the earlier one he uh, developed a thesis that uh, it was really just a very small uh, number of Jewish people who were involved in the crucifixion of Jesus. It was primarily a Roman um, uh, action, and uh, that he's trying to absolve of the Jewish people of Jesus' day of any responsibility. he's
4: pro-Israel, and we stand with him there, and he he wants to combat anti-Semitism. We stand with him there. But do you think he has been so pro-Israel that he's actually compromising the gospel?
3: Absolutely. Um, You know, it is not necessary uh, to blame the Jewish people today for the death of Jesus. That is ludicrous. Right. Uh, But... He uh, he's trying to absolve the Jewish people, the leadership of the Jewish nation, in Jesus' day, of any responsibility. <laughs> right.
4: Well, Jim, let's move on to another topic, because there's a fascinating story today uh, that Jews are not being allowed to pray at the Temple Mount in any way whatsoever. And as I'm looking at this, it appears that uh, Muslims are able to pray and sing songs and do chants and... Um, but the Jewish people are not allowed to pray. Uh, Tell us about this site in Israel. You've lived in Israel. What is the Temple Mount? What is the significance of this new rule?
3: Well, the Temple Mount, of course, is the platform upon which the temple and all of its courts and buildings uh, were constructed during the time of King Herod. And uh, after the temple was destroyed and all of the outbuildings, all that was left was the, was the retaining wall around uh, Mount Zion, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, <laughs> uh, around the Temple Mount and the, uh, uh, the platform on top. And uh, Islam uh, claims this as their third holiest site. But in actuality, there's only a very, very tenuous historic tie, if any at all, w- between the Temple Mount and Islam. However... Uh, Palestinian Muslims uh, want to deny any connection, any Jewish connection, to the Temple Mount at all. Uh, they deny that a temple was there. They deny um, that there was ever a Jewish presence there whatsoever. And uh, this is the source of much of this uh, paranoia on the part of uh, the Olmert gover- government.
4: All right. Well, uh Jim, this is a perfect segue to move up to another story today. There are some Islamic Palestinian terrorists who have fired rockets into Israel. Israel has retaliated to defend itself with some airstrikes into the Gaza Gaza Strip. Jim, let's listen to this report. I want you to comment on it.
0: Israel launched airstrikes all over Gaza, targeting buildings it says are used by militants. Some civilians are among the casualties. This followed an unusual rocket attack. Gaza militants fired a Katyusha rocket that landed near an Israeli city 10 miles away. Katyushas are the rockets used by Hezbollah to pound Israel's north 18 months ago. Usually, Palestinians use little homemade rockets with a much shorter range. Palestinian leaders in the West Bank denounced the Israeli raids, saying they're spoiling President Bush's visit next week. Mark Levy, Jerusalem.
4: Okay, Jim, uh, look, um, this is going on and on. Uh, today, Pat Robertson, actually it was yesterday, made a new round of predictions. We're going to talk about that in a minute. He, he has some prophecies for the new year. But I want to remind people of Pat Robertson's prophecies last year about the, the U.S. policy towards Israel And the fact that we're not standing with Israel like we should against these Islamic Palestinian terrorists.
1: Our policies are pushing Israel toward national suicide. And he also said that the policies of uh, uh, the current uh, Israeli administration are, quote, toxic uh, for the nation of Israel.
4: Okay, Jim, uh, Pat's talking about Israel giving up land for peace. Uh, What's your take on uh, this shooting back and forth? And... um, President Bush's visit to the Holy Land? Are we making any progress?
3: No, I don't think so. Um, Unfortunately, uh, Israel's leaders, both because of their political orientation and because of pressure from the United States and Europe, uh, have lost uh, any courage to stand against the Palestinian threat uh, at all. And this is evident both in Gaza and in this story we just looked at from the Temple Mount. Uh, you know, it's it's really a shame the uh, the lack of leadership, of uh, the lack of uh, conviction on the part of Israel's leaders.
4: Jim Sibley is director of the Pashi Institute for Jewish Studies, also uh, a former missionary to Israel. And Jim, uh, we thank you so much for being with us. Well, you're very welcome. All right, folks, let's go back to Pat for a minute. It's very interesting. Pat Robertson yesterday made some major predictions. And here they are for 2008. He says it will be a year of violence. There will be a recession in the United States, a major stock market crash by 2010. He says, quote, the Lord was saying that there's going to be violence and chaos in the world, In quote. Quote, we will see the presence of angels. We will see an intensification of miracles, so on and so forth. So some major uh, predictions. Um All will reach one fifty a barrel. So Pat Robertson with his annual round of predictions. And I think uh, many people have no problems with uh, forecasting and predictions. We've already done that tonight on the caucuses. But when you say the Lord said, the Lord said to me about this new year. Now I want to go back one year because this show is about the Christian worldview. We've also talked about uh, the charismatic controversy. We've also talked about, you know, when people claim that God is saying something to them. Is it really so? Does that make it so? And let's go back um, to last year. Let's review Pat Robertson's predictions for last year. And, uh, Larry, let's roll the tape from last year.
1: I'm not saying necessarily nuclear. The Lord didn't say nuclear, but I do believe it'll be something like that. It'll it'll be a mass killing, possibly millions of people, uh, major cities.
4: Okay now that's Pat Robertson's prediction last year that there was going to be a millions of people kind of killing nuclear or chemical or biological and uh, Larry I want to go back to that piece again now folks this is what Pat Robertson predicted 1 year ago.
1: I'm not saying necessarily nuclear the Lord didn't say nuclear but I do believe it'll be something like that that'll that'll be a mass killing possibly millions of people. Uh major cities.
4: Millions of people. It didn't happen folks last year. And I like pat on a lot of issues but uh, this is why this kind of charismatic theology is misguided. This uh, word from the Lord, God has told me oil is going to reach $150 a barrel. We're going to have a stock market crash by 2010. We're going to have millions of people uh, killed. And uh, he can't just willy-nilly make these predictions every year. Sometimes they come to pass. Sometimes they don't. That's no different than Nostradamus. And uh, the Old Testament standard is very strict. In the Old Testament, uh, Pat needs to be glad that he's not doing this in the Old Testament time. He would have been stoned on uh, January 1st, because last year we did not have that kind of disaster. Now, at Pat's defense, he did say that uh, he hoped he was wrong.
1: I hope I'm wrong, and I hope people will pray, and that won't happen. But nevertheless, uh, that seems to be what's, uh, what's coming up. And then the Lord said he will restrain the evil people, but he will not restrain them necessarily initially.
4: The Lord said, I don't think he did, Uh, Pat. We didn't have that disaster. When we come back, it's really cold out there. We're going to talk about a major scientist, another one, yet another, who says, we're headed for cooler times, not warmer. Global warming. Is it real? Caused by humans. Can we reverse it? We'll talk about that when we come back.
0: College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1 800 899 0012 or on the web go to chriswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications.
1: I don't believe you can sit at a table and negotiate with drug companies, insurance companies, oil companies, and hope that they will voluntarily give their power away. We will get their power out of their hands when we take their power away from them.
4: All right, there it is, the rhetoric of Lenin, Stalin, the rhetoric of Castro, the rhetoric of Hugo Chavez—it's the rhetoric of communism and of socialism—that companies are bad, and uh, the government is the good guy. Do you really trust the government to take power from the insurance companies? Do you want the government to take power uh, from the uh, health industry? Uh, someone said, "Look, you think health—you think health care is expensive now? Wait until it's free." Then it will really, <laughs> will it be unaffordable? Well, the Bible says in Proverbs twenty nine two, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. And uh, I want to tell you that uh, that's what's at stake tonight in Iowa, Republicans and Democrats, who will be the next president of the United States. It matters. And we want to now listen to some of these candidates and what they've been saying. Now, Hillary Clinton sounds a whole lot like John Edwards. That is, taking it, taking it from the rich, giving it to the poor, taking it from companies, giving it to the government.
1: The other day, the oil companies reported the highest profits in the history of the world.
3: I want to take those profits, and I want to put them into a strategic energy
4: fund Hillary Clinton says she wants to take the profits from the oil companies. Now, what would that do? Does she understand at all? Economics 101, the stock market. If you take profits from any company, you take all incentive. There'll be no investors. People won't buy the stock. The company will go broke. You have to make profits, and you have to make those profits pay off. Uh, for folks to keep working there and investing, and for research and development, and uh, but this is communism, socialism, and uh, I hope the American people don't fall for this kind of rhetoric. Well, you've got on the Republican side Rudy Giuliani.
2: The two most important things we need is someone who can deal with the terrorist war against us, and someone who can deal with the domestic economy, and I think I've had the most experience um, in both of those areas because you need
4: both to be a president. Well, it is important. This show is about the Christian worldview, and according to Romans 13, the primary role of government, the primary role of government is to wield the sword against those who do evil. And that is to defend us from the killers, and in this case, I think, from the terrorists and the jihadists. And so, Giuliani has that right. Unfortunately, he doesn't want to defend human life in the womb. Giuliani is not pro-life. He believes that a woman has a right with her doctor to kill the unborn child in the womb. Absolutely unbelievable when you put it that way, but he defends that right to the end. Here's John McCain.
2: I have the knowledge, the experience, and the judgment to lead this nation to make sure that we never, ever send our young Americans into
4: combat to fight and and to sacrifice, unless our goal is victory. Unless our goal is victory. Boy, McCain was right. Let's have a surge in Iraq. And the surge has worked. The surge is working. The last month, December, was the month with the least amount of American casualties, the least amount of Iraqi casualties of any since the war begun. Hooray for John McCain on that one, and for his Policy of seeing the war through until we have victory. Well, here's Barack Obama. He wants to be president.
2: We do have to do well in Iowa. There's no doubt. We've put money, we've put time, we've put energy. We've gotten tons of volunteers. And we've said from the start that if we couldn't do well in Iowa, it would be hard for us to do well uh, in other
0: places.
4: Okay, that's Barack Obama. Now, folks, listen, we're going to watch this tonight. We'll have updates tomorrow. I'm going to tell you something about Obama. He has to win tonight. If Obama is going to go on, he has to win in Iowa. If Hillary wins big tonight, it's over on the Democrat side. But Obama must win tonight to have a chance. Hillary, if she wins big, has it sewed up. Remember, I told you that. Well, Huckabee, by the way, has to win big tonight. If Huckabee does not win tonight, I think Huckabee's finished. Whether or not we like it, that's just the case. So, there it is. We'll be watching it. We'll report on it tomorrow. Now, I want to give you a little global warming update. It's really cold. And notice how they've changed the language from global warming to climate change. Have you heard that? And That way, the theory fits everything. If it snows, it's global climate change. If it rains, if it's a drought, it's global climate change. It's a theory that fits everything. Well... Um, there is a scientist in Russia who's the head of the Pulkovo Observatory. It's a space research lab. He released a report today. The Earth has passed the peak of its warmer period. A fairly cold spell will set in quite soon. Yes, very soon. It set in yesterday. You know. But he says by 2012, a cycle of cold air is coming. Real cold will come when solar activity reaches its minimum by 2041 and it will last for 50 or 60 years, maybe even longer. He says, quote, the current warming is evidently a natural process and utterly independent of so-called hothouse gases. All the science is not in, Mr. Gore, to the contrary. We will continue to follow this story. Remind you of a scientist named Karl Popper. He was a philosopher of science, actually. And Popper said, for a theory to be valid, it has to be a theory that can be falsified. And that is, uh, there ought to be an evidential test. And if evidence comes in against it, that should uh, refute the theory. If evidence comes in for it. Well, that would make the theory more and more believable. The problem, he says, with uh, certain pseudoscientists and sciences like astrology and Freudian psychology is, there's no way to disprove it. And when Al Gore says to the media... Don't do your normal thing. Don't present arguments for and against. Don't bring evidence. We bring anecdotal evidence like California fires. We bring the anecdotal evidence of droughts in Alabama. But you cannot bring your anecdotal evidence to the table. And we have a pseudoscience in this global warming hysteria movement led by Al Gore. Well, the Bible says we are created in God's image and we are to be stewards. So don't litter. Don't pollute conserve fuel and uh, we do the best we can to be good stewards of the resources that God has given us but we don't buy in to this global warming hysteria let's be balanced on this and let's keep the science coming and let's wait before we make a hasty decision on this all right when the righteous are in authority the people rejoice when the wicked rule the people mourn be praying tonight that we have the right result in these primaries on both sides, Republican and Democrat. It's Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Tomorrow night, our take on the results.
0: You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian Worldview radio show.